You could say, Sadie, he went off book. He went off book. Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. everyone welcome to another episode of keep it fictional from the port moody public library now today i think it's pretty special because normally we get to bring you five books each of us bring you one and so you get to know about five amazing stories by five amazing authors but today we get to introduce you to not five, not 10, maybe more like 50, or even perhaps more amazing authors, amazing stories, because we are talking about anthologies today. Now, we have been through this, are you a short story person thing before? So let's not go there again. <laughs> but <laughs> so you can keep your feelings to yourself about short stories. Um, but I know I am definitely not a short story person, but I figure all my favorite genres are famous for short story. Like all the big awards always have a best short story category. So I know I'm, I'm probably missing out on a lot of great storytelling. And I get it. It's hard to be able to tell a complete story from beginning to end in a satisfying way in such a small amount of space. So I know that there are skills involved. I know that it is hard but it's just, uh, it's so hard to find a good one that feels satisfying. So I'm determined to, to be friends with short stories this summer. So that's why I've inflicted this topic on all my book friends here today to make them also read some short stories, which I am sure is not as hard for some of us, maybe a little bit harder for others. Today with me is my book friends, a collection of book friends. I don't know. Anyway, um, Sadie, Fiona, Corinne, and Liz. Now, before we go into our books, I just want to find out from everybody, what draws you to your anthology today? Is it because of the theme? Is it because of the lineup of offers? What makes you pick your anthology today, Sadie? So it was a, a pretty simple choice for me. It may be the only, apart from school, like where I had to read many English anthologies and that type of thing. It might be the only anthology that I've ever really read. Um, I am definitely closer to your end of the spectrum, Virginia. I am not a anthology and short story person. Um, and this anthology was actually gifted to me uh, by my husband for last Christmas. And uh, I will give the reason that he selected it. So he chose it because of the subject matter and because it has one of my favorite authors featured in it. So it was, we always give each other lists of books, kind of specific books that we're looking for. And uh, he, he went off the list this year and decided to do one wild card book, which he doesn't usually do. Um, and it was this one because of, yeah, the topic, the subject matter and, uh, and the author. You could say, Sadie, he went off book. He went off book. Very good. Very good. <laughs> So what about you, Corinne? Why did you pick your anthology today? Oh, 
this was very hard. But as you said in your intro, Virginia, the good thing about an anthology, a really good anthology, is that it brings different authors to your attention. And I will say in the small handful of anthologies that I have read, um, I have always discovered a new author after reading it. So someone whose short story was compelling enough, even though I kind of have to choke down short stories, that I was going, I was absolutely compelled to go out and read their, their novel. And so this was one of them. So I ended up landing on a topic that I love, um, which is true crime. And a, uh, so I was kind of drawn to the subject matter. And then after I read this book, I actually read the editor's book afterwards. So I, it ended up being like one of those little reading pathways that sometimes sometimes you, you encounter. Yeah, that is the nice thing about anthology, I do have to say. Yeah. So we have two not-so-short-story anthology people. What about you, Fiona? Are you a short-story anthology person? Yeah, definitely. Um, I like them a lot, but I'm not inclined to sort of read the whole thing. Um, I like them to like sort of, you know, pick up and often I'll, I'll find the shortest ones <laughs> and I'll start there um, because uh, I don't know why, just, um, you know, for a little taste, but I'm, I don't frequently finish them, sort of cherry pick. You choose like also based on length rather than like, oh, this is an author that I love. So I'm going to read that story first. Oh, uh, I, I definitely would do that too. That would put them up there, but you know, bonus points for short length. <laughs> the key is short. <laughs> Excellent. So the, the opposite. All right. So uh, Liz, how about you? What drew you to your anthology today? I think I'm kind of in between everybody. I will read the entire anthology <laughs> front to back in the order in which it was compiled. Uh, I will read all the authors included, even if it's ones that I'm not familiar with or maybe I'm not so crazy about. Um, but it's usually the topic that uh, will draw me to an anthology, maybe the authors, but usually the overall theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that you have a pretty on-brand book today, so we will find out soon. And I originally choose this because of the editor of my anthology, which I'm not going to talk about today. It's my way now to sneak in another book because this book has been on order at the library for a while and it hasn't show up for like months and months. So I'm like, you know what? I don't think we can get it because that happens sometimes. We just couldn't get it so I'm like you know what maybe I have to give this up so I choose something else today but it was definitely because of the editor Lavi Tihar that I love and he's also like a strong passionate advocate for science fiction from around the world and he always tried to bring different offers from different parts of the world to his anthology so I really was like oh you know I'm gonna pick this but of course it didn't show up so I'm just like okay I have to pick something else but yesterday when I got to work what happened it arrived. So I'm only halfway through because I have to borrow it from another library. I trade her. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I couldn't finish it. So, but anyway, if you ever need some science fiction, best of world SF, but that's not the book I'm going to talk about today, but I'm just so annoyed. So annoyed. But so something else today, maybe next time. So um, yeah, so uh, that's really great to hear like everybody has different you know like feelings about short stories and different feelings about anthologies um so we'll find out what they have got for us today so let's start with Fiona I think not only does she have unless she changed her mind which she has done before like right before the episode <laughs> I think she has 
new offers to recommend and maybe also new illustrators too. Yeah, you're right. I stuck true to, to my choice. Uh, I went with Moonshot, the Indigenous comic collection. And uh, while I do like short stories, I am a huge fan of short comics and uh, comic collections because it gives you a great chance to discover new and upcoming authors and illustrators. And often uh, an author and an illustrator will work together. Sometimes they're even just thrown together for the project. The author will submit the idea for the story and then they'll find an illustrator for them. So you can come up with some really neat combinations. And of course, this is a collection by Indigenous authors and artists, and it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it has some names that you hear a lot, uh, like Richard Van Camp and Robert Alexander Davidson, as well as some new authors and illustrators. And uh, I found a lot of new to me creators through this anthology. So it's fantastic. I also think it's a great way to explore uh, Indigenous stories because it really gives you a chance to see just the variety and diversity of the stories and the storytelling out there. So it has many different styles in it. Uh, and that's also really cool too, because if you are new to comics, Sometimes it's a good chance to just see like what works for you. Do uh, wordless comics work for you? Is it really important to you that the uh, images are beautiful? How do you feel about things like this, uh, where it's an image set beside the text? My absolute favorite story in here is written by Richard Van Camp. <laughs> And the pictures are done by uh, Nicholas Burns. It is about the night the spirits return, which coincides with Halloween. And uh, it is a period of time for the caribou people who are a Denny First Nation, uh, where they celebrate the return of the spirits and the upcoming caribou hunt. Um, it was just, just really fun. Um, I love Halloween stories, and it interlaces the two festivals at the same time. Uh, there's also some really great Indigenous Futures stories in here uh, that incorporate sci-fi. There's uh, traditional stories and new takes on traditional stories. So highly recommend for those interested in uh, more Indigenous literature. And also, if you just want to get a taste of some comics and find out what really floats your boat. Moonshot, the Indigenous Comics Collection. This is volume one, and there are actually three volumes out now. Well, thank you, Fiona. That is, uh, sounds really great. And it's such a Fiona pick. Very Fiona. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, like, because I think one of the things that I have trouble with anthologies is because they're short, and like, I have to switch from one to the other. And I like to like spend like an hour reading. So I know short stories are probably good for like, okay, if you have 15 minutes, you go read a story and then you put it down and you pick up another day. But that's not how I read. So I find it really difficult to switch from one setting to another, especially when I'm reading like a science fiction. Kind of, like it's like, like the whole world is different. So I have to re like get like, an, you know, into a new world right away. I find that really tricky. So I don't know if anybody else like have that trouble. And, and if you don't, what is the better way to read them? Because I, I 
having trouble with it. I think it also really depends on what genre you're reading. So sci-fi is a lot about that that world building. So there's not necessarily like a a concrete end to a short story because they're they're choosing where to end it. Whereas with something like a mystery short story, like the the, the story is over when the mystery is solved. So there isn't, I think, like maybe like a, a natural conclusion in certain genres that make you feel satisfied at the end that it's concluded, it's finished, and that you can move on to the next one. So I think it's it's very genre based. And it's nice because you don't have that, like when you finish a chapter and it's a cliffhanger and you're like, oh, I just got to keep reading. And then you just read until three in the morning. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'll just digest that. I'll just think it over. Uh, stop there. Because I can see it works really well with a comics anthology because like you said, right, different style. I, I feel like it's it's easier because like, I think the, the drawings also help you get into that world a little bit more. But I find with just like text, it, it's tough. I do like to use the natural stopping point as a natural stopping point in a lot of ways. Um, I'm I'm not sure how you all feel. I have had conversations with my husband about this where when I'm like, if I read before bed, I always have to end at the end of a chapter. I can't end partway through and he can, he like whatever time he's going to read until he says, okay, I'm going to go to bed at this time. And wherever he lands, that's where he stops his reading. And I just, I, I can't do that. And so I do like that aspect of the short story and of the anthology because it provides these short kind of short little contained things where you can kind of look at the length of that story and say, okay, I know that I can read this in so long. And you know, that you kind of have that natural stopping point. And in the same way that a chapter does in a book, but it, it just kind of wraps things up a little bit more. Yeah. Like this let's build up. I have to get used to, I think like, you know, in the world, right. Cause you're trying to be like, okay, this is how the magic world here works in this one. And so you're like every story you have to get to know. And, you, and I'm like, Oh, this is hard on my brain. <laughs> like, so maybe that's why it doesn't work me. Anyway. All right. Well, we have another very on-brand pick. We are going to go to Sadie. And I would love to find out, is her favorite author story her favorite in this anthology? Yes. So uh, the book that I have uh, selected, that my husband selected for me for Christmas, is called Hex Life, Wicked New Tales of Witchery. So yes, it is very, very on brand for me. Um, the reason he chose it, as you can probably tell by the list of authors there, uh, Kelly Armstrong is one of um, one of the authors in it. And I, yes, Virginia, I think that Kelly Armstrong's story was one of my favorites, but mainly because it, so this book did an interesting thing where it had a few authors that have written series, have written kind of magical witchy series, and the stories in this book were offshoots of those series. Now, being someone that has read all of Kelly Armstrong's work, I was very familiar with the series. And so it was like kind of delving back into the series, delving back into the world, revisiting those characters. It was written in such a way that you didn't necessarily need to have read the other work, but I think that it definitely added something to the story just to kind of be familiar with the characters and be familiar with what was going on or what was going to happen. It was kind of a prequel um, type story. So yeah, so this is a collection of stories that are all about witches. I think that was kind of the main focus. So they, however they connected to witches, these writers all wrote stories in some way about witches. Um, some of them were more lighthearted. Uh, some of them were very, very dark battling 
kind of looking at topics, um, not just in fantasy and witchcraft, but looking at topics of racism, topics of um, systemic kind of issues um, and how they kind of melded magic into that. So yeah, it's just kind of a series of books and stories all about witches. So if you're into witchy kind of things, um, I think it would be a really great fall read. So if you did want something kind of spooky for the fall, very seasonal type of book. As I mentioned, there were a couple of authors that had stories connected to other series, which for me, when I read the Kelly Armstrong one, that worked, but some of the other ones didn't work quite as well. So I think that that is one of kind of the downsides of, of writing a not completely new and original story for this kind of book is because you run the risk of people not really understanding where you're coming into the story, what the entry point is, and feeling like they may have missed out on some things. Um, now, one thing that the book did do, uh, like Kareen mentioned, is it did introduce me to some new authors that I will probably go and find the rest of their work now. Um, there were some authors in there that I did really kind of enjoy the characters and enjoy the story. Um, and maybe that was their intent. It made me want to know how they got to that point. So I might go and and look into those those books and those series a little bit more. I was a little bit surprised there were some authors that are quite well known in kind of that genre and I did not like their stories at all so I don't know if that was just a personal something that just didn't mesh with me but yes there were there are a couple authors that I had never read but expected to maybe like a little bit more than I did but it was definitely it was an interesting mix of of things that I enjoyed things that I didn't enjoy quite as much it was, it's definitely a book for adult content wise. It is not something that kids should read. Definitely. It has um, some quite mature content in it. Um, some quite interesting content in it that made me uncomfortable at times. So yeah, just kind of authors exploring witchcraft, authors exploring femininity in a lot of ways and how that and witchcraft meld or don't meld. It was an interesting read. Tyler kept asking me, like, was it a good choice? Like, was it a, an okay pick? Was it okay that I picked it? I'm like, yeah, no, of course. It was a it was a fine choice. It was a great selection because of what the topic is and the authors are. As you said, Virginia, it's very on brand for me. So, yes, yeah, so if you're looking for something a little bit spooky, want something with a kind of a range of different kinds of, of stories in it, but all focused on that witchcraft element, uh, you can pick up Hex Life. And it is uh, edited by Christopher Golden and Rachel Autumn Deering and featuring some pretty good authors. Thank you, Sadie. I was actually kind of surprised because there were a lot of horror writers in that collection. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, oh, Sadie, horror books. Yeah, and they, yeah, like I said, some of them were definitely darker. Um, I don't think there were any, because I, as you all know, I get very spooked out of certain things. <laughs> so if I read them at night, it doesn't always work well. I don't think there were any that I had to put down, though. I don't think there was anything that's, that spooked me out so much that uh, that it was too too spooky for me but yeah. nice nice all right so from the magical world of Sadie we are going to go to the some non-fiction pick maybe um somebody who loves the topic so much i think of two episodes ago when we did a vacation travel topic then they are like you know what we're just gonna do some more vacation do some more travel today liz what have you got for us yes shocker um <laughs> i decided to go with uh the anthology better than fiction 2 
and it was put together by the Lonely Planet people. And I happened to receive this as a gift. So I didn't even know about the existence of this particular series. Uh, and that Lonely Planet has gone off the guidebook path and done sort of, I mean, besides their coffee table books, actual fiction. So this was a very pleasant and very on-brand surprise from a bookseller friend. So kudos to you, Carrie. This was this was a very pleasant surprise. I was I absolutely loved this book when I read it. I I am not averse to short stories, so that's a plus already. And I do love to travel. I love to read about travel. And the really interesting thing about Better Than Fiction, too, in this case, is that Lonely Planet reached out to authors that traditionally write fiction. So we have a lot of well-known names like uh, Jane Smiley, Dave Eggers, Lily King, um, even Alexander McCall Smith. So some really big names uh, and also some other names that I wasn't quite familiar with uh, very much, but found that I really enjoyed their nonfiction writing. Um, Another great thing about this anthology is that it almost doesn't matter who's writing the stories. It's not necessary that their fame is a focus of their story. In fact, a lot of these are are kind of written in anonymity. Um, They were just a person who happened to be going on a travel somewhere. And before each short story, there is an introduction for the author. So as if we were taking a blurb from the back of a book, you know, so-and-so author is from this country and they've written these books. Um, So it it was a really nice way to sort of get familiar with a lot of different authors and get exposure to their work. This runs the gamut. It's, they've got funny stories. They've got dramatic stories. They take place all over the world from North America to India, Iceland, Scotland, Russia, Azerbaijan, Vietnam, uh, you name it. They cover it in this book. There's just such a wide variety and breadth of experience by these various authors who shockingly, uh, after reading their prose, just I'm kind of wondering, okay, why don't you write more nonfiction? I mean, you're writing all these great fiction books, but, you know, you really have a knack for storytelling for things that have happened to you in real life. We've got stories from authors who are recounting previous trips from their youth. So um, one story talks about being a 16-year-old and going on their first trip abroad, uh, in this case to Italy. And so it's sort of like a coming-of-age story but other stories where it's just this very narrow view of what's happened on a vacation. For example, getting off of the plane in the dead of night and getting into a taxi in a country they're entirely not familiar with and trying to find their hotel and all the kind of terrors and thoughts that go through any traveler's mind in that situation. I absolutely love this one. Um, I did go back and read Better Than Fiction, the original one. I wasn't as drawn to it for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Um, There was just something about the mix of authors and the mix of stories they presented in the second volume that really hit all the right notes for me. Um, So if you do love travel, if you miss travel, uh, if you like reading about various countries, And if you're open to seeing what different authors that maybe you haven't previously experienced have written, uh, then I really do recommend Better Than Fiction 2. And that's put out by the people at Lonely Planet. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you. All right. Before we go on to our last two picks, I have the question of the day for everybody. 
So I would love to know, if you were to curate an anthology, what topic or theme would you pick? And follow-up question, who would be the first author that you would approach be like, please, can you please write a story for my anthology? With all of my powers and my powers to like write, get an anthology and ask my authors, I also have the power to bring people back from the dead in this scenario, right? Sure. You do whatever you want. Thank you. Okay. So I... I love books of essays and I like people writing about writing. So my ideal anthology would actually be uh, conversations of mystery authors with other mystery authors. So their approach to writing a mystery, um, what true crime cases kind of like inspired them. uh, What do they think is the perfect crime? Like I want them to like sit down and have like a little like one-on-one interview. Um, And so the people that I would love to see in conversation is actually Agatha Christie with Seishi Yoko Mizo, because they both are kind of like this delicious golden age, twisty, turny, locked room mysteries. And I would just love them to kind of like sit down because I think they sit down and kind of chat about writing and about mysteries because I feel like they would kind of like fanboy and fangirl each other. And I think it would just be so nice to see them interacting. So that's my perfect anthology where I also have necromantic powers. I'm sure you would just sit there and be like, oh, oh, tell me more. Tell me more about how you slice people. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Liz? Do you have like a topic in mind that you would love to see? This This was a hard question for me. Both questions were difficult because I'm very non-committal I don't want to say wishy-washy I'm very Switzerland is it okay to say that very you know well on the other hand um, I like to be you know open to different possibilities so I think my ideal anthology would probably be a mashup of food travel and being set in a particular country so say okay hear me out here so say we get these food writers and we drop them in a particular country or a city Okay, so they're out of their element and then they have to try different restaurants and then they need to write about them. And things can get very catty because there's some food writers like traditionally, they're very opinionated (laughs) and, um, you know, if you don't agree with their opinion, well, then that's too bad. So that could, that could, you know, end up being a bit spicy, um, especially if they go to the same restaurant. Um, So... I don't know, some of the heavyweights of food and travel writing, Jan Wong, Ruth Reichel, if we're bringing back people from the dead, Anthony Bourdain, RIP. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. And then at the end, they can all get together for one big giant meal and writing to the death for, you know, they can debate the merits of all the restaurants they try and then pick one final winner. Have you tried pitching this to Netflix? Because I would absolutely watch that. You heard it here first, everybody. There used to be a, a cooking show that was kind of similar to that, where there were two chefs that would go and they would like kind of same thing. They would go to different city cities and like experience the the food scene in that city and then have to recreate recipes. Um, and I think that they may have battled against like a local 
a local chef within that community. Is that the Gordon Ramsay series where he's traveling? No, it was with um, Aron Sanchez and I don't remember the other chef, but um, the two of them would always travel around. It was quite a while ago. I need to find that. How about you, Sadie? This was also a difficult question for me because I feel like on the front, the anthology I talked about today kind of covers the, a topic that I would already want to compiled um, stories about. So I had to think about a different one and kind of think about something that, I mean, it might be done, I'm not sure. And so what I landed on was historical kind of Victorian era mystery stories. Um, Because I love a good Victorian mystery and to compile that into one book, I think would be a lot of fun. I'm curious now if it exists and I now want to go and find one if it does. Um, Kind of my Two favorites, uh, I think Deanna Rayborn and Sherry Thomas, um, I would reach out to as well as Elizabeth Peters, I think, does the Amelia Peabody ones. Is that the right name? Yeah. Um, so some kind of good kind of heavyweights in that in that genre. Um, yeah, just kind of delve into the world of Victorian stories. And I, I like the idea, kind of what Corrine was mentioning, where with a mystery, when it's over, it, it's solved and that kind of finishes the story. And so they're very nice and contained, um, which I think would work really well in that sort of format. So I just get little snippets of these little mysteries that I can try and solve along. Would you throw in a robot detective? Throw in a robot detective. Could throw that okay, in. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> to find someone to write. I mean, I guess there are a couple of robot detectives, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a steampunkish sort of. Uh, yeah. Yes. Work. That would work. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fiona. Okay. It's a comics anthology, of course. <laughs> and it's about music written by musicians. Um, and they can either do, you know, like their own tour stories or like uh, biographical stuff about other musicians. And, you know, like they can throw magical realism in there if they want any interpretation and you know there'd be lots of great artists because there's so much overlap with with uh the design aspect of of music and stuff so the first first person that i would be calling uh is john dyer basley he is the uh lead for baroness it's like this melodic metal um group but he is also a painter uh, that does their covers and they are so so beautiful so I you know I'm already imagining his like beautiful interpretive comic with uh all of the the like ornate naked ladies that he usually draws on his covers um (laughs) yeah can I have it it is it made now like can I read it please you can also pitch that (laughs) make sure you get to choose the color the color palettes oh yeah and I think for me there's an anthology out there called what the beep is that is a horror anthology that every single writer has to use that phrase in their story. And I find that like really hilarious. So I would love to have an anthology that like all the authors have to use like something very like kind of boring, like, you know, I don't know, this pie is delicious or like, I don't know, where are my pants or whatever, like something like just really boring, but see what they can do with it. 
And I think for me, the first person I would definitely go find is Charles Yu, not just because I love his book, but also because from his first book, How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe to Interior Chinatown, it was 10 years. So I just need him to do something. I I know he did some short stories in the meantime. So, and and he does short stories. So I know he's good with that. So Mm -hmm. just like, you know, give me more. So I'm scared that like his next book is going to be 10 years from now. So in the meantime, if I can get him to contribute a story to this anthology, I'll be very happy. So that would probably be the first person that I could look for. So, all right. Well, thank you for answering that question. (laughs) I didn't think it was as hard, but maybe it was. But they're all like very very signature Sadie and Corinne and you know Liz and Fiona kind of books so I think we're all picking things that we love so that is great so Corinne what have you got for us did you pick something you love oh I did Virginia because you know when you do actions and then they kind of come back to roost so I often have chosen topics like choose a book in an unusual format that for me was very easy and for other people was very difficult. And I feel like this one, like the table finally turned back on me. The worm turned on the bird. Is that what you say? Anyways, the worm bit me. And so this was extremely difficult to find a book. I contemplated doing a cookbook because I'm like, technically that's an anthology. Really? And uh, I, yeah, it was a cookbook. There was a collection of uh, short stories that I hated. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I could just pretend that I liked it and just kind of get this over with. And then I felt, felt like slightly disingenuous. And then I got one from the library and I'm like, perfect. This is a topic that I really enjoy. And I didn't even make it through the introduction. I was so <laughs> upset with the introduction that I didn't even get to the interior of the book. So I decided to go back to my old standby, which is true crime, because there is a lot of really interesting writing happening in this particular genre. And it was a book that Liz actually brought to my attention last year that I really, really enjoyed. I love essays. I love reading essays, but I don't often read collections of essays by different people because kind of like Virginia, I find the shift between people really jarring. But the really good thing about this particular collection and anthology is that they were all articles that were previously published in different magazines. So Harper's, Virginia's Weekly. So they were, they had been already set up to be a complete work. So that when you read them, as Sadie kind of said, you kind of come to the end of the chapter and you can just very nicely shut and put down. Although, of course, I kept reading because I just read one short story. It's like a potato chip. Why? Why? Anyways, so the book that I chose to talk about is Unspeakable Acts, True Tales of Crime, Murder, Deceit, and Obsession, edited by Sarah Weinman. And this particular editor wrote a book that I ended up reading after this, which was The Real Lolita, which I really enjoyed. And she kind of breaks the book into three sections, one of them about kind of newer crime, uh, newer stories to delve into, some of them really famous, some of them less so. The second part is more about crime and culture. So taking a critical eye of why do people engage with true crime in the way that they do? And it's a question that I've often asked myself, why am I interested in this? Why do I spend time in this particular headspace? And so this kind of section of the book really delves a little bit into that and that intersection between different 
different kinds of crimes and different cultures or communities, which I thought was very interesting. And then the third part of the anthology is more about kind of the peripherals of crime that we don't necessarily think about. So there is a really good essay about a doctor about the effect of gun trauma on bodies. So he is working as like an ER surgeon or an emergency doctor and talking about that, that impact and how they are trying to innovate to try and save these people from this trauma. And then another really good essay uh, by Melissa Del Bosque about border control in the United States, particularly between the border of Mexico and the United States and the crimes that happen there and how border control in many ways operates above the regular law. And so how how people who have their rights violated or who are the victims of crime by border control agents often do not have any way of seeking justice. So it is a fascinating anthology. Each of the essays is so interesting in its own way that even if you're not particularly a true crime person, I think that you would find something in this anthology to interest you, whether it's talking about like historical or cultural context of a particular crime, whether it's talking about the Gypsy Rose uh, murder case, talking about um, Munchausen by proxy, um, whether it is a school, a school contemporary or peer of Jennifer Pan, who is talking about the cultural context of that particular murder that happened here in Canada, whether it's talking about the impact that a crime can have on one particular victim at a particular time through over 40 or even 50 years and how that continues to impact them. All of these essays are really thoughtful. They're really thought provoking. And it's just a great, great overview at 400 pages. Each one of the pages feels so vital and so interesting that I I cannot recommend this highly enough. If you're interested in true crime or just kind of interested in kind of learning learning more about how it impacts society. I think that you can find something in this anthology that that will really speak to you. Thank you, Miss Corrine. Don't worry, you're not the only one who suffered through this episode. (laughs) The person who picked the topic also kind of suffered through this episode. (sighs) It's a great topic, Virginia, because again, it really showed me a blind spot that I am aware of and have done nothing to remedy. So this, this, and, and it showed me the good things in that I did definitely discover other authors from these anthologies. So I can use them as a tool, not a torture device. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to try to be friends with short stories. I'm trying. I'll work on that this summer. So for my pick, hopefully it's not the one that you gave up on. And we'll find that out after the episode ended, right? So for me, like I said, I had to choose something different from my original plan. So I went back to a book that we alluded to many, many episodes ago. This anthology started because two authors were talking to each other one day and they said, you know what we miss? Vampires. We need more vampires. And that's how this anthology was born. It is Vampires Never Get Old Tales with Fresh Bites. And it is edited by Sereda Cordova and Natalie C. Parker. If you have listened to our podcast and book chat, if you are a fan of young adult literature, you would recognize a lot of these authors that have contributed stories to this anthology, including Fiona's favorite, I think one of her favorite, Julie Murphy, including V.E. Schwab, 
an offer that Sadie has talked about quite a bit, including a story from Rebecca Ronhorst. Seems like her name came up every single episode in the last month or so. And there's other people like Laura Ruby, Tessa Gratton, and many, many more. And what this anthology did is they take sort of what we associated with vampires, like vampires are afraid of sunshine or vampires sleep in a coffin or vampires you can kill them by like driving a wooden stick through them or that vampires don't have reflections vampires turn into bats and shapeshift and all sorts of like vampire facts and take them and gives them new meaning and of course in doing so centering the stories on marginalized voices and help us reimagine that vampires don't always have to be white, male, cisgender, straight, or able-bodied. And all these stories take the whole idea of vampire and turn it into something new. Not only does this anthology represent a lot of different voices, it also has so many different styles. And I think that was what's fun about it, because if you're looking for something creepy, well, we have creepy. We have Heidi Halek's story, The Boy and the Bell, that sort of plays on this Victorian thing that they do when they bury the dead. They actually will have a bell that is attached to the coffin so that just in case you come back alive, you can ring the bell and they can dig you back up. Or if they accidentally bury you alive, because they sometimes can't quite tell whether you're actually dead or not. Uh, Maybe you were just unconscious. And so at least you have a bell that you can ring it. And so this is a story about a grave digger who had been hearing this incessant ringing of a bell. If you want full-on Blade-style kind of vampire battles. We have a story by the editors called Vampire Never Say Die. And it is a story about a girl, Theo, who is throwing a surprise birthday party for her best friend, a best friend that she has only met on Instagram. So she invited all sorts of Instagram friends, of course, not realizing that her best friend, Brittany, is the oldest vampire in New York. And all the other Instagram friends that she's invited to this party are also vampires and they have a bone to pick with Brittany. Or maybe you want a story that is more kind of funny or sarcastic. So what about vampires mixed with British colonialism? We have a story by Samira Ahmad, like a guidebook for anyone who has just been turned into a vampire. So all sorts of like good tips for you, including things like, well, If I turn into a vampire and if I can only drink blood, does that mean I cannot eat any delicious Indian dosas anymore? Or does that mean that my aunts are never going to ask me the question, when are you going to get married ever again? Because now I'm a vampire. Well, you will find out all from this guidebook on how to become a vampire. Or maybe, or maybe cowboy vampires is your thing. Because yeah, of course, cowboy vampires, why not? So in Rebecca Ronhorst's story, The Boys from Blood River, we have a teenager, Lucas, who has summoned a group of cowboy vampires from a song from a jukebox. It sounds great at first because they can help you deal with your bullies, but is it really great? And what do you have to give up when you summon them here? 
And of course, there's also one of my favorite stories by Mark Oshiro for Mirrors, Windows, and Selfies. And it's about Cisco, who is a vampire with some super overprotective parents who will not let him go anywhere. And he just wants to know what do I look like? What do I actually look like? And so he started writing a story online about his experience as a vampire. Of course, nobody online took him seriously. And then he described how he sneaked out to his neighbor to go find something so that he can see his reflection. And of course, the title of the story is referring to Dr. Rudin Sims Bishop's whole idea of how kids need stories that help them reflect themselves. So that was one of my favorite stories. So anyway, so many different types of stories in this anthology. I don't even know how I feel about vampires, but this story definitely gave me some new ideas about what a vampire can be. So if you are into vampires or not, check out this anthology called Vampires Never Get Old, Tales with Fresh Bites. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> sounds like my kind of book. Yeah, and they're not like, I mean, there's some creepy stuff, but not really that much so october 1st that's what i'm going to be reading that's spooky time first thing (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you everyone for reading an anthology for today and pushing yourself to experiment with something new um we will see you again next week for another episode of keep it fictional so hope you found lots and lots and lots of new offers through today's episode and happy reading bye thank you for listening if you like our show please tell a fellow book lover about it you can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes join us next week for another fun book chat until then keep it fictional Mm -hmm.